We are on page 47 of our notebook. Um, what it's looking like right now is we will uh, finish the notebook next week. So we've only, if you look, we only got about three more pages to go through. We should be able to get uh, through point number three this week and then point number four and five next week. Um, and then that'll bring us to, what's today, the 15th? That'll bring us to the 29th. The 29th, remember, we're having a church in the park. Um, we're going to be at Hannah Park, okay? Uh, we'll be doing uh, church in the park that day. Um, everything will stay the same as far as start time, 1030 um, obviously, we'll do things a little bit different that day due to the fact that we're going to uh, have baptisms, although uh, nobody has contacted me about wanting to be baptized that day. So I'm just letting y'all know, man, you don't contact me, then you ain't getting baptized that day. That's just the way that's going down. So if you want to get baptized that day, you need to let me know uh, as soon as possible. Um, so that'll be uh, two weeks from now. Uh, if you uh, are going to drive over there, I assume most of us will. We don't probably live right next to the park. Uh, it does cost $5 to get in. Uh, so just make sure you are aware of that. Don't short on your tithe to get into the church park that day. Um, I know some of you, Claude, I know you would think about that. Don't, okay? Um, uh, Bill will pick up the tab for everybody if that's how that's going to go down. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. He is not going to pick up the tab. Do not ask Bill for any money. That would be wrong. And it's got to be cash. You can't pay with a credit card. So make sure the old-fashioned way, uh, you know, have the green dollar uh, Either five green ones or one green one. However you want to work that out is up to you. Uh, but then what we're going to do uh, after that is uh, have a, like a little picnic. Um, we'll do the best we can to try to make that as safe as possible. Um, I think the good thing is we'll be outside. So being outside obviously is a much more uh, uh, better situation, I think, uh, than uh, being inside, I guess. Uh, but anyways, uh, we're baptizing some people. That, I'm going to baptize somebody. If I got to baptize myself, I'm baptizing somebody that day, okay? Uh, so uh, we'll do something here. I'll just dunk myself. I don't know how this will go down, but somebody's going under, okay? And that's the way that's going down. Uh, but uh, we'll do that two weeks from today. And then the following week after that, uh, what's that, September 4th, 5th, 5th? Uh, that will be the week we will move into chapter number two of the book, uh, we'll be giving, handing out new book, books that day uh, for chapter number two. Okay, so that's kind of a quick, is that Labor Day weekend? Yeah. It is. Good. That's one, because nobody will be here and we'll be happy handing out chapter number two. Good. All right, that's the way that works out. But anyways, if you're not here that day, then you don't get a booklet. We'll just make that rule. How's that sound, Justin? Sound good? good. All right. Justin likes it. I'm, I'm in. I'm for it. All right. Here we go. Verse number 20 of chapter one, let me uh, go. I'm just going to read those uh, last four verses. It says, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body 
the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now listen, uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit. And if you did not get a chance to listen to last week's message, I know we weren't in-house, but I highly, highly suggest you get back and listen to it uh, because... Uh, unfortunately, you know, I think that was one of the good ones, man. You really want to make sure uh, you get, you grab on to what we talked about last week. Uh, because on top of the fact, it's going to help you kind of understand where we're going this week. Uh, so I probably, uh, I hope that you took the time to do that uh, before today. But if not, I'll try to do the best I can to, to kind of get you caught up with some things. The biggest thing is, is that what we're looking at right now and, 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 and what we uh, need to grab onto is the fact that Paul is now praying. He has laid out the nine blessings, the three of the Father, the three of the Son, and the three of the Spirit that we have up on the board over here to my, uh, to my right, to your left. Uh, and so that's what he did in those first, uh, uh, what, 16 or so verses. Um, and then when we get to uh, 15 verses, and then when we get to 16, uh, he, he now kind of switches gears a little bit, if you will, although he's really not, but he, he, he says, hey, I'm gonna, I, I need to pray uh, for some things. And the things that he prays about is important. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, when you read the church epistles, and again, those would be the epistles that Paul wrote, and you look at all the times Paul prayed. Paying attention to what Paul prayed for might be important. Because number one, obviously whatever information he's giving us, that, that the Holy Spirit led Paul to pray that and put it in his book. That right there means, okay, it's important. Okay? But... Also, I think it's a good measuring stick to what we should be praying for. Anybody? Yeah. And uh, what, what you will find interesting, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> if you've been around this church at all, you know where I'm about to go with this, okay? But if you haven't, don't, don't shoot the messenger. I, I'm just telling you the reality of the situation if you look at Paul's prayers, every single one of them, did I say every single one of them? Well, let me say it again. Every single one of them, what you're going to notice is that Paul never once, did I say never once? Never one time preached for physical things. Never once. He was always more concerned with spiritual things. Now, I say all that to say, because we have a habit of praying for things we want. And I just want you to know, because this is important to know, God is not obligated anywhere in his word to give you anything that you want just because you pray for it. I know that is not the, know that is not the sentiment that we hear in the church. Sentiment that we hear in the church. I know that that's I know that that's conforming to what we hear in the church today. I'm just telling you, the Lord of God is the prayer to what prayer is and how God works. I'm just telling you that. I'm just telling you that. It's the reality. It's the reality. 
says, if you pray according to his will, according to his will, will. Okay. according to his, according to will, his will, will. will. probably could care less about earthly things. He don't care about money. Money is not an important thing to God. Money just is used as a barometer to see your heart. That's all it is. Okay? Money itself is not evil. It's the root of evil because of what you do with it within your heart. Okay? When it comes to physical... Listen, let me say this, and just hear me, if you think I'm wrong, that's cool, we, can, we still love one another, I ain't got no issues with you, hopefully you'll have no issues with me, I'm just trying to give you my thoughts on, the, on it, I believe that what I'm saying is biblical, I believe, I believe I'm right, but if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, okay, but I have a feeling that 90% of Christians, when they pray, are so self-gratifying in their prayers than anything else. And the reason why I can say that is before this church, in other places I've been, whether it be Bible studies or, or uh, uh, whatever, other churches, whatever, when I hear people pray, you hear self-gratifying things. You just do. I don't think those are prayers that God gives two licks about. You say, wait a minute, though. God's our Father. He, you're right. I agree with that. But you remember when uh, Jesus was talking over there in Matthew 6, and the disciples asked us, Lord, teach us to pray? You remember that? When the Lord taught them to pray, did he teach them to pray about anything physical? Matter of fact, at the end of the chapter, he says, your Father already knows what you need before you even ask. When you start talking about physical things, he already knows you need clothes. He already knows you need food. He already, know, he already knows those things. You don't have to ask him for that. What father wouldn't provide that for their children? You don't need to pray for that. God says what you need to pray for. Jesus says what you need to pray for is thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth. That your debts be forgiven. Those are the things that God is more concerned with. That you would live the Christian life as you've been called to do. What's interesting is, when Paul prays, and you see it written in each one, of whether it be Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, what, any of your church epistles, when Paul prays, what you're going to find is, what he's praying about is all spiritual things, number one. But number two, and here's how you can just nab it, man, and really grab onto it, 
It has to do with those nine things. And where were these spiritual blessings where? In heavenly places. So if you think I'm wrong, I'm just going to challenge you and say, and I get it. Whenever I bring this up and I have a conversation with somebody about this and we start talking about it, I know the first place I go every single time. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul prayed for the thorn of the flesh. Come on now. There it is, physical. Read, read what it says. Read what it says. It was Satan who buffeted him, being the messenger. That's not physical. That would be a spiritual problem that Paul was dealing with with Satan. It's not spiritual. So, I also believe that's exactly why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. It's the reason why we have the Holy Spirit. Because we know not what we should pray. <laughs> and we need the Spirit to intercede for us. What does that, what does that mean? We know not what to pray. Paul's very, very clear in my humble opinion, about what we should be praying about. We should be praying that the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of him and the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of his calling. And I talked about that for a good half hour last week. What is the hope of his calling? And that we would know the riches of his glory and his inheritance in the saints. And we would know that exceeding power that works. What we think about it this morning. Where? In you and me, if we're Christians. Although he goes off here in verse 20 to 22 and starts talking about how that power wrought Christ from the grave, and we all would say, Okay, and how that power uh, uh, put Christ at his own, the Father's own right hand, and we would say, "Amen." Somebody would say, "Okay," and far, Christ is far. The same power put Christ far above all principality, power, dominion, and every name that is written, uh, not only in this world but in that which is to come. And we would all say, "Okay," and had put all things under Christ's feet. The same power did that, giving him to be head over the church. We would all say. The point Paul's making here by saying all that is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, gave him a name above all names, put him at the right hand of the Father. That same Father, uh, or I'm sorry, power that, that, that gave him to be head over the church, that same power is in you if you're in Christ. That's the point he's making. Those nine blessings weren't just hey, this is cool, man. Hope you enjoy them. No, those nine blessings were given to you and to me and to the church for a purpose. And we cannot, we just cannot go past something like that and blow it off as if we won't be held accountable to it. And the reason why I can tell you that emphatically, that we will, is because when you keep reading chapter 2, and you keep reading in chapter 3, Paul keeps hammering the points home. And he ends it in chapter 3, verse 21, and he lets us know, glory be in the church, in Christ Jesus, for all ages. This power that was given 
to you and to me after salvation. I want to reiterate that. After salvation. You don't get it before salvation. You get it after salvation. And you don't get it just because you started speaking in tongues all of a sudden. That's not the way this thing goes down, okay? You don't get a second blessing, all right? No. Where does it say that in the Bible? I've never seen that. I don't know where people come up with that stuff. What I'm telling you is the moment you got saved, the moment you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your uh, Lord and Savior, he came and he moved up inside of you and the same power, the same resurrection power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that created the universe is in you. And if we neglect that, and if we put that on the side, I am just going to humbly say, I promise you, with all that I have in me, there is an accountability to that. There is. Because the reason why you got that power was so that you could bring Christ glory in the church. And if you're not bringing Christ glory in the church, maybe the reason why is because you're bringing self-glory. Hence, Laodicea. It's what it is. Well, preacher, I sing songs to the Lord. I didn't ask you if you sung songs to the Lord. Singing songs to the Lord don't win anybody to Christ. I asked you, did you win somebody to Christ? Well, but I, I come to church every Sunday. I didn't ask you if you come to church every Sunday. What I asked you is, is are you in discipleship? This, this is the purpose of the blessings. Win, build, Send. End of story. It's end of story. That is the, uh, the, the final uh, uh, nail in the, in the coffin, if you will. And you say, how do you know that? Uh, because I, re- I read Ephesians 4 when he gets done with these three chapters, and he says in Ephesians 4 that uh, I therefore, the prisoner, I therefore, again, because he talked about those first, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And the last time I checked, a vocation is a job. What's our job? The job is the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? John 17. Win, build, send. End of story. I mean, there's nothing else to talk about. This is the purpose of the church. This is the only thing we should be doing in church. There is a bunch of other things we can do But I'm just telling you that ministry, when it comes down to it, when it's all said and done, what a real ministry is, is taking the word of God and putting it into souls of men. End of story. You can come here and you can back in the church. And thank you, John Crosby, and whoever else is involved in that. We need that. That stuff needs to get done. I'm not arguing with that, okay? Uh, We need somebody to take care of our money. We need somebody to uh, wash the windows. We need somebody to take care of our kids. We need need all of that. I'm not disregarding any of that. All of that is important. What I'm saying is that's not ministry, though. Don't call that your ministry because it's not ministry. Unless, within the span of that, you are taking the Word of God and pouring into the soul's of men or children in this case that's ministry that's what paul's talking about okay with that being said page 47 which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places his mighty power is seen uh now listen it is seen in creation it was seen in egypt we just don't see it today 
But, well, we can see it in creation, I suppose. But the point that Paul's making here is that it is seen in the resurrection of Christ. Here is a man who died, Christ, rose from the dead, never to die again. And although that within itself is a showing of great power, note it does not end there. There is more. Raised him, set him, gave him. Right? He was ascended, exalted above everything. He was raised according to Paul's gospel, 2 Timothy 2.8. Remember that Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now, y'all know why I'm going to hammer that for a second. What is Paul saying when he says my gospel? What is that all about? Paul's awfully arrogant right now saying that. It wasn't his gospel. It was Jesus. This is the point of the book of Ephesians. Because the gospel that Paul preached was different than the gospel that Jesus preached. Did you all hear what I just said? Because it's true. The gospel that Paul preached was different than the, uh, the gospel that uh, Peter and John and all of them were preaching in chapters 1 through 8. It was different. You say, what are you talking about? How could it be different? Because they were preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of what? Kingdom of heaven. They were preaching a physical kingdom that was to come for the Jew. It's a different gospel. Paul's gospel wasn't revealed until Paul got saved and went into Arabia and got it from Jesus. It's a different gospel. Because that simple word gospel simply means good news. Get it. Good news, good news for who? Well, there's good news for the Jew. The Messiah is coming to sit on the throne of David. What does that got to do with you and me? Nothing. Let me reiterate. Absolutely nothing. We, that's not our kingdom. We don't get that kingdom. That's not for us. That was for the Jews. It will be for the Jews because God promised it in his word. They are going to get it. And take I'm not taking lightly to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth and sit on the throne of David by the glory of God, praise the Lord. I am excited about that, and I can't wait till he gets that. However, it's not for us. It's not our promise. It's di our promise is different. We have a different uh, 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 future, if you will, okay? And our gospel has nothing to do with the physical and everything to do with the spiritual. It's just a reality of the matter, and that's why Paul calls it my gospel. Because he was the apostle to the, not to the. Hence the reason why I would highly tell you Man, if you, go to a, if you go to Acts chapter 1 through 7 and try to pull church salvation out of that, uh, yeah, now you're going to run into a lot of trouble. And let's be honest, most do. Hence the reason why we teach. You have to be baptized in water to be saved. Acts 2.38. Hence why we teach that the gifts of the Spirit, whether it be healing or uh, speaking in tongues or, or whatever, whatever uh, those gifts of the apostles, 
Paul did say that, right? The gifts of the apostles, right? Those were given to those apostles for a very specific person, purpose because the Jews required a sign. That's what they were given for. Are they for us? No. Whoa, what about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14? Paul's correcting them on what they're doing wrong. Get it. That's what he's doing. He's not telling them. He's telling them, listen, there are gifts that are given, some to the apostles, some to the prophets, some to teach. But not everybody. Are we all prophets? Are we all apostles? He says, no. Covet the best gifts. What are the best gifts? Charity. Right? And there were two more. 1 Corinthians 12, last, chapter, last verse, if you want to catch the other two. But listen, it's very important to understand all this stuff. It really is because we don't want to exercise something that is not meant for us. That's why we say often around here and why it's so important to understand, listen, you have to know the context. You have to know who it was written to. Don't steal somebody else's mail. Don't. And if you don't know how to do that, if you don't rightly divide the word of truth, as Paul tells Timothy, then what would be the opposite of rightly dividing? That means we can wrongly divide it. Well, what? how can somebody wrongly divide it? Well, by taking the wrong mail and applying it to the wrong people. That's how. That's why Paul says, my gospel. Peter's gospel was so that Christ would be king on earth. Paul's gospel was, and here's your fill in the blank, all things would be given to him, Jesus, on earth and in heaven. And if I could say, if I could say it this way, Paul's gospel is... Uh, uh, things of of heaven it is not only his resurrection but yours without the resurrection of christ there is no body of christ there is no paul and his gospel there is no power there is no inheritance we would literally have nothing no christianity the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin of Christianity. If he didn't raise from the dead, neither will you. If he didn't raise from the dead, you are not born again. It's the linchpin of Christianity. If there was no, uh, uh, you know, and that's why Paul really hammers his home in Philippians chapter 3. When he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection that's what he's talking about this is such an important event in romans chapter 6 in verse 3 through 5 he says know you not that so many of us were baptized into jesus christ now listen do you need to be baptized to be saved i would say yes you do i would say you absolutely not 100 need to be baptized to be saved just not with water you need to be baptized by the Holy Ghost to be saved. I'll buy that. Because that's scripture. There's seven baptisms in the Bible. You better know what those are. And how they differentiate from one another. Well, I need to be baptized to be saved. You're right. You need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I agree with that. What does the word baptize mean? It just simply means submerged. 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 Fully. So water sprinkling is not a form of baptism. 
Sorry. Not what the Bible teaches, okay? You need to be submersed. You know on the day of judgment, you're going to be baptized in fire. Did you know that? You're going to be completely submersed. And what's going to happen is, is all your works you've done for Christ is either going to come out wood, hay, and stubble, burned, or it's going to come out as precious gold and silver and things that are going to turn into his crowns. But in Romans, Paul says it like this, know you not that so many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized unto his death. Therefore, now listen, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. Christ liveth in me. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about a spiritual baptism. Romans 8.11 says this, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by a Spirit that dwelleth in you. And do note this, he goes on to say in Romans 8, he says, if you don't have the Spirit, he's none of, he's none of you. That's salvation. Salvation is when the Holy Spirit moves up inside of you and <laughs> seals you, giving you an inheritance. And that inheritance, part of the inheritance that you're getting is that you're going to get a new body. This body is going to get shed away and you're going to get a new one, a resurrected body. So that, that when we see him, we'll, we will be like him. And we will be as he is. That's what Paul's gospel is all about. That's why he calls it my gospel. It's different promises to different people. Can a Jew get in on this? Today, yes. Because Jew and Gentiles can get in on the body of Christ. But listen... Moses is not in the body of Christ. Abraham is not in Isaac, Jacob, they're not in the body of Christ. It's not the Old Testament saints looking forward to the cross. That is wrong teaching. It's not true. They did not get saved the same way we do. They did not get the Holy Ghost moving up inside of them, saving them until the day of redemption. That's why when you read something like Matthew 24, it says, and they, they that endure to the end shall be saved. Do we have to endure to the end to be saved? No. Hence the reason why we teach things like you can lose your, your salvation. Although Paul flat out said, we're sealed until the day of redemption. Well, which one is it? How do we, how do we know who, who was written to what? Matthew 24 is written to the Jew. Don't write it to the Gentiles. Not for the church. It has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with the Jew. What the gospel is essentially saying is for those who truly believe and receive, and I want to make sure we really nail that, believe and receive. 
It's not just believing that Christ died on the cross, was buried, and was raised again. That's not what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 when he's talking about what the gospel is. You can believe in what? In vain. Now, you've got to receive that. Galatians 2, that's the Galatians 2.20 and Romans 6. It's what the gospel is essentially saying is that for those who truly believe and receive, it is that I want to die for my sins now. May as well get death over with. So that I can live for Christ, which is far better. The remainder of my time here, so that when I get to be with him, he will reward me for my faithful service, living for then. It is then the knowing the difference between living the crucified life, reckoning old life dead, and the resurrection life, new life in him, for him. With all humbleness, I'm going to say this. With all humility, I know I just said humble and humility is the same word, but I'm just trying to get the point across. Please, don't reword what I'm saying or I just really truly believe that most, most people who claim to be Christians do not have any clue what we just said right there. They don't understand it. They think salvation is about getting their ticket punched so they can get to go to heaven when they die. That's what they think salvation is. And you see it in the way they live. Because I got my ticket punched. I have liberty in Christ. I can do whatever I want. I'll just try to do the best I can. I go to church on Sunday, but on Monday I'll start living. Most, people, most of them don't even get to Monday. It's the minute they walk out the doors of the church, they're right back to living their old life. That, that is not the resurrected life. That is, that is not the crucified life. Old self was not put away. Old self is still living, alive and well, as soon as you walk out the door. That is not the Christian life. I would highly, highly, not very often am I going to recommend a book outside of the Bible. But there is one, there's a, every now and then, there's a couple that I would recommend. I would highly Highly recommend you go read A.W. Tozer's The Crucified Life. Because he nailed it. And he talks about the old cross versus the new cross. And here's the crazy part. You read that and you would think you're reading something from somebody who wrote today. He wrote that 70 years ago. In the mid-1950s. He wrote the old cross for the new. It was already permeating in the church. And, there is, and, what, and the basic idea that he had behind that was there is an old cross that preaches true salvation and there is a new cross that's being preached that preaches glorification of self. Those are two different things. Two different things. And I'm telling you, man, it's very, very powerful. I'd go read it if you haven't already. It is worth the read. Jesus, of course, was set at the right hand of God. This gives him position of blessing. It gives him position of authority. It gives him position of power, inheritance, and judgment. 
Acts 2.33 says, Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. That Holy Ghost, that the same Holy... Do you remember back in John 14 and John 16 when Paul was talking to his disciples on the night before his crucifixion? And he was talking about how he must go. It, it, I must, it, it's need for me to go. Why? So that the comforter will come the comforter is the holy ghost and he says when the comforter comes he will reprove the world of sin by the way that means you can't you don't save anybody it's not your job to save anybody it's your job to preach the gospel unadulterated excuse let me just make sure i say that the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost sinner who needs a savior. That's your job. And then it's God's job to convict that person. But even at that point, it's still the person's choice whether he is going to accept or deny it. That's just the reality of it. Acts 5.31 says, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. Isn't that interesting? A prince and a savior. I wonder, why, I wonder why Luke, who wrote Acts, would, would, would write prince and a savior. Well, he tells us to give repentance to Israel. There's your prince. And forgiveness of sins. That's us. Hello. It's almost like God done wrote the book. And he did. Almost, almost. Romans 8.34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, and who's making intercession for us. Listen. How many people do you think this morning, and again, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm just asking a question. How many people do you think are getting preached to this morning in church house this morning that are being told that you are condemned by Christ already? How many, how many people do you think are hearing that? Rather, what I'm telling you, they're probably hearing is, Christ loves you for who you are. Just come to Christ. He loves you. He'll take care of you. He'll, take, he'll, he'll give you everything you need. You come to Christ. Man, you give your money to Christ and I watch how he'll give it back to you tenfold. It's all for you. It's all for you. It's all for you. It's all about what Christ did for you. That's what it's all about. And I'm not saying there isn't some truth in that. There is some truth in that. God does love you, but he doesn't love you for who you are. He loves you in spite of who you are. Isn't that what Romans 5, 8, and 9 says? But God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He doesn't love, he doesn't love the downtrodden, unsaved individual. That's not what he loves. He loves what he can be in you and what he wants you to be. Could I say what you were meant to be? We... This whole liberty in Christ, once I get saved, I'm free to do whatever I want. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do this. Oh, yeah, that's, oh, I don't need to do all that. I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. That is not Christianity. That is not what we've been called to do at all. And it, 
Paul says, God forbid. Why would you continue in sin? No, we are called to something so much more. Enter last week's message. It was a hope of his calling. Man, if we don't know what the hope of his calling is, how are we ever going to do what our calling is? Amen? Anybody? It's just a truth. I'm not trying to be the, 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 the downer or the, the, I'm all for the love of Christ. I am very thankful for the love of Christ because if it wasn't for the love of Christ, I would be headed for a devil's hell. I would be lost in my sins. I would not have a, a hope of a resurrection. I wouldn't have any. I am thankful for all those things, so I am not denying any of them. However, however, what I am saying is, you did not get saved for you. That's not how this works. You got saved in spite of you. And you are meant for something bigger than what most of us, hopefully not in this church, I'm just being, man, I'm watching what's going on in these other churches and it breaks my heart. Honestly, I don't sit here and think that one Baptist church is better than any other church. I know that may be and come off and sound like it is. That's not what I think at all. What I am saying is, what does the Bible say and what is going on? There is a problem of what is being preached and it ain't right. Colossians 3.1. Man, if uh, talking about Mark Trotter. Uh, he's got a book out there that he just uh, got released uh, uh, by, uh, by well, obviously not him. He's no longer here, but some, somebody over there, LFBI, somebody released it. Uh, what was it called? Things Above. Uh, you know, kind of a skinny book, but it's, it's talking all about Colossians 3. And I had the distinct privilege, me and, me and, me and Billy Wood, uh, I'm sure Billy had already talked to him about it, but I remember uh, we were in my backyard. We were sitting, chilling. Uh, we were getting ready. We were talking about Robert, Robert Ingalls' ordination. And the three of us were just sitting there. Man, about four hours, man, we were just sitting there talking. And I remember Trotter talked about Colossians 3. Man, some of the most powerful <laughs> things I've ever heard just sitting around having a conversation. I'm so thankful I was in on that conversation, and I'm so thankful I heard his testimony of what Colossians 3 did for his life. Uh, because if you really pay attention to those first couple of verses and really read what it actually says, if you then be risen with Christ, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. If you are Christ, if that is what you're going to call yourself, is a Christian, set your, thing, your affection on the things above, not on the things on the earth. And if you just stop right there, you'll go, okay, now I get exactly why Paul prayed the way he prayed. And I exactly understand why we shouldn't be praying for physical things because that's not where our affection should be. It just shouldn't be. You know, what about when I get sick, man? Should I pray to God? What about if I get cancer? Should I, should I pray to God? Should I give him glory when he heals me? Let me ask you a question. And I'm not saying that God can't heal. Yeah. 
God can heal anybody he wants. It's God. I am not going to trump what God can do. But I do have a problem with this. Okay, so my mom got cancer. And my mom died. Did God not answer the prayer for her healing where somebody else got cancer and lived? That sounds awfully Calvinistic to me. Something don't sound right about that. I would just humbly say, you know what? I think if we just follow Ecclesiastes, I think that there's a day for a man to be born and a day for a man to die. And I think you can pray all you want about a man's death. It doesn't matter. There's a day he's going to die. End of story. You aren't going to pray somebody out of that day of death. How about we not worry about those things? And what I asked everybody to do at the time was, my mom needs salvation. Pray about that. That is far more important to me than if she beats cancer or not. I want to know where she's going to be after she dies. I know that some may hear that and go, Pastor, you just ain't right, man. That ain't cool. I'm just telling you, man, but I'm telling you, that's what the Bible says. I mean, why would God be worried? Think about it. God says in, in Psalm, right? He says, the death of the saints. <laughs> he, he, he glories in the death of the saints. What? We read that and we go, what? Because well, that, that don't sound right to us. But to God, it is right because God could care less, if you will, about what's going on on this earth. And I mean that in a spiritual salvation-wise. He could care less what he's more concerned with. Will you be with him when you do die? He's far more concerned with that. This earth is cursed. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. But it is. It's cursed. It is appointed unto man wants to die. We are all going to die unless we get the glorious ability of being raptured. Okay? But we're all going to die. It's just the way it is. We are all destined for that day. It might be today. It might be a year from now. It might be 10 years from now. I don't know what it is. But I promise you, every single one of you, unless we're going to get raptured, you have a day that you're going to die. You can pray yourself out of that day all you want, but I promise you, you're still going to die on that day. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how you're doing it. I don't care. Listen, that's why, you know, I get the whole COVID thing. I get it. I understand why we would be scared. I get it. But listen, whether you die of COVID or not, that day, you're going to die of something. You're going to die of something. Because whatever your day is, well, I didn't get COVID. Well, yeah, but just smashed into a tree. I mean, I'm just going by what the Bible says. That's what it says. I mean, either we just believe what it says or we don't. I mean, is that not what it says in Ecclesiastes 3? It says, there's a day to be born, there's a day to die. Isn't that what it says? Just believe what it says. I, I believe it. <laughs> I'm just dumb enough to believe that if God put it in his book, that must be right. Die. You see the devil? He wants us to fear. He wants to strike fear into us. He wants to cause panic. He wants to cause division. He wants all of that, and he is having a field day in the church right now. Because he's got everybody panicked. 
And I ain't saying, don't hear me. Because I know what Chris is sitting back there going, yeah, but you can live healthy. You can do this. You can I know. I get it. And I ain't saying that you shouldn't. I'm not saying you can't help yourself because while you are here, you could definitely live a much better life than you might live if you're living unhealthy. I will agree with that wholeheartedly because that's part of the curse. But I'm just telling you, man, I just really truly believe whatever your day is, whatever my day is, that's the day we're going to die. That's it. You ain't going to stop it. I ain't going to stop it. And we ain't praying ourselves out of it. I just don't, I just don't believe that. And I think God just, He's much more concerned with our spiritual. If I'm right, I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Don't get mad at me. Don't get upset at me. I'm just trying to be a preacher, and I'm just trying to tell you what I firmly believe the Bible is saying. That's it. Simple. I hope, I hope you all understand that, and you don't get, you know, that dude's crazy. I, I am crazy, but listen. If you be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above. Set your affections on that which is above. Because I promise you, whether today's your day to die, or whether your day's to die 10 years from now, or whether you die of this or that or whatever it is, I promise you this, none of that's going to matter when you're standing before him. It ain't going to matter what you died from. God ain't going to look you in the face and go, okay, this dude died from COVID. We'll treat him a little differently. No. I promise you, once that day, once the heartbeat beats for the last time and you are now to be absent with the body, to be present with the Lord, once you are there, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after this, the, once you're there, what you died from is going to be the furthest thing from your mind. That ain't going to be what, don't fear death. That's not what you should be fearing. Don't worry about death. Death is the smallest of your problems. Death is just another phase into the next phase where if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've not lived a life of, of, of obedience to Christ, that's where consequences are going to come. It ain't going to be death. It's going to be judgment. Am I wrong? That ain't, that, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't preaching material right there. That ain't stuff people want to hear. That ain't making you feel good, making you run out the door going, hey, did you hear? Man, pastor was on it today. Wow, he really lifted up my spirits. That was a, that's a, whoa, dude. I mean, you're slapping me in the face right now. Yeah. But the reality is one day we're all going to get slapped in the face with it. And it's going to become a reality. And I really think that that's exactly what Paul's trying to get at. He's trying to slap us all in the face and get us grab our attention and grab hold of reality. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives inside of you. What are you going to do with it? You are for by grace. I mean, that is the next chapter, right? For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. What's verse 10 say? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that you should walk in them. Henceforth why he says, I therefore the prisoner of Christ beseech you that you walk worthy in the vocation you have been called. And I'm not even sick and dang it, I'm running out of breath. Man, 
It's just the truth. Why are we afraid to, to talk about the truth? Why are we afraid to say what's right? Because it's hard to hear. Listen, man, I'd rather somebody just tell me the truth and tell me something that ain't right. This is where I'm at. Man, tell me. If you think I'm an idiot, tell me I'm an idiot. I'm okay with that. If I'm an idiot, then I'm an idiot. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But don't say I'm wrong and, that, and, and, and then not show me I'm wrong. Because now what you're doing is you're giving me your opinion about what you think. That's not where I live my life anymore. I was there a long time, man. I used to always think I was right over everybody. And, and, and listen, I was that dude, man. We would be on the football field. I knew every rule, and I thought I knew the rule exactly the way the rule stated. And I'd be telling everybody on the rule, that ain't right. That ain't right. Not even knowing if I'm right or not. But I pretended like I was. Man, I was there. When I became a Christian... And I started understanding things of the Bible. God really had to convict me on that pretty quickly. And now, man, my opinion stinks. I know it does. What I think is worthless. I don't care what I think. I just don't anymore. It doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what the Bible says. That's the only time I can truly say I'm right. And it's not even that I'm right. It's that he's right. The problem is we, don't, we just don't like that in the church house today, man. We don't want to hear what the truth is anymore. And it saddens me. It really does. But the day is coming. Uh, verse, uh, I mean the next fill-in on page 48. The day is coming where he will stand up. He's seated at the right hand now. But the day's coming where he's going to stand up. And we know what he's going to do then. He's going to return. There is a power that exceeds. Uh, now, we're, we're going to wrap this up here fairly quickly. But I want you to grab onto this as I, as I go through this. Because that power that lives inside of us. It's important that we grab onto where God has funneled that power through. Please understand that. Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Do you want to know where God funnels that power through before it gets inside of you? The gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Paul's gospel. That power cannot, will not, does not live inside of you until you're believing and receiving of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the point Paul's making in chapter number one. At the end of this chapter. And again, remember why he wrote Ephesians. The whole purpose of the book of Ephesians is to show us what the purpose of the church is and how you get into it. You want to know? Don't go back to Acts chapter 2. That's not your starting point. That's not when the body of Christ, Paul's gospel, began. 
We just need to get back to that Old Testament or that New Testament church, man. We just need to get back to Acts chapter 2. Well, okay, but that was for the Jew, so go for it. I want to get back to the New Testament church as Paul saw it. That's Ephesians. That's where you go back to. That's where you start hammering it. Then I would say, okay, now if you want to pull out Jesus' seven letters, yeah, now we got something here. Now we're where we And what does the first letter to Ephesus say? Don't leave your first love. And what should be your first love? And I think, unfortunately, sadly, and I pray it's not this church, but I think most churches have left their first love. When you go to a church and all you hear the preacher preach is one or two minutes, or one or two verses, and then the next 20 minutes is story time with grandpa, I think we've left our first love. I, I think it's no longer, the word of God is no longer the authority anymore. It's what the preacher at the pulpit's saying is with the authority. And I pray to God that's not this church. I pray to God that anything I tell you from this pulpit, anything Robert tells you from this pulpit, we can give, go back and show you in the word of God that what we said was true. Because if we can't, God forbid, what we did. And I will pay the price for that one day. 2 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10, he says, For if the ministration of the condemnation be glory, much more do the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. The Jewish religion is an amazing thing. It was good. It was just. The law's power came from the fact that it showed us what was right, but it also showed us what is wrong with us. So, what the law did is gave us not power to live, rather it killed us. Y'all got that? The gospel of Christ exceeds the law and through his resurrection does in fact give us power to live. Paul says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of consupience. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Paul says it like this in Galatians 3. The law is a schoolmaster to bring you to Christ. The law shows you for what you really are. That's what it is. That's what it was meant to do. The law cannot, will not, does not save anybody. All that can save you is the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Paul's gospel. That's the truth. Philippians 3, 8 through 11 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Now watch. Watch how Paul is laying this out. He says, And do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And all those things that he counted as done was all physical things. If you read the first uh, uh, seven or so verses. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Jew of the Jew. He had this. He had that. He had everything he wanted. Oh, everything was great. But I counted all of it as dung. Poop. Right, Peyton? Poop. Why? 
that I may win Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, Romans 10, 1 through 3, Isaiah, because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, Romans chapter 3, verse 27, that I may know Him. You got that? That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul kept the law strictly. I will guarantee you that as a Pharisee. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. His life and his flesh from the outside would have looked really good. Yet, he rejected Christ, which defeated everything. And he understood that when he came to the knowledge of who he was. It was not until he realized all those material things and accolades meant nothing that he realized what the true power that is found in Christ really is. And, and I would tell us the same thing today. It's not until we truly realize that the stuff we have matters nothing compared to the true power that is wrought in Christ. Yeah. Stuff we have don't matter. It, it doesn't. Listen, I ain't saying you can't have nice stuff. Okay. Where in the Bible does it say that? Somebody please show me where it says in the Bible that you aren't allowed to have nice stuff. What I am saying is, but does the stuff have you? That's the key. Well, man, these pastors, man, I see them flying around in planes. You're right. You're right. I don't have an issue with them flying around in planes. I have an issue with the fact of how they got that. They robbed from the church to get it. Stuff has them. There's a difference. Oh, pastor, though, man, come on now. I see what you drive. I watch the car you drive, pastor. And I'll bet you there's not many in this church that give more than me. And I don't mean that arrogantly. I'm just saying. My wife got blessed with a good job. Should I be upset about that? I make $3,260 a month. Y'all know that. You can see it. Quad, am I right? $3,260 a month. Am I rolling in the dough? Am I, am I, am I robbing from the church? I, I tithe half of that back. More than that, truly, with other things I do too. So now what? It's not about what you have, Christian. It's not about what other people have. First of all, if you're looking at what other people have, you're coveting. If you're worried about what the pastor has, you're coveting. If he's wrong, let God deal with him on that. Worry about what you got. Worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about everybody else around you. I'm not going to his church. He drives in that car. <laughs> what does that got to do with anything? Nothing. Let God deal with it. Go to the church because the pastor's preaching truth out of the word of God. That's more important. Paul understood this, man. Listen, Solomon was one of the richest dudes ever. Abraham had stuff. Huh? Nicodemus? Uh, uh, was it Nicodemus? Yeah, Nicodemus had stuff. It was his grave, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I did. God doesn't say you can't have stuff. God never said that. God said just don't let the stuff have you. Because money's not the problem. It's the root of evil. Because money can cause a problem. I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly, man. 
if, if you're so intent on getting the money that you're not going to church on Sundays or because you now bought a boat and, hey, I need to go, get, go bring my boat out so I can go fishing or whatever it is I go do with my boat. And that's keeping you from doing the things that you should do. Now the money's got you. Now you have created idols in your life. Now you've created problems in your life because you have things that are keeping you from doing what you should be doing. That's what God's worried about. Does that make sense? What is the power of God? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the Word of God. It's what it is. What is the demonstration of the Spirit? It is when He moves inside of you and gives you His power by His grace to live the resurrected life. Did you hear what I just said? I would underline that if I were you. Because that's what true grace is. That is what the Bible teaches about what grace is. Grace is not God loves you. That's not what it is. Even if you, if you, if you would just pay attention to the acronym that most people come up with, it's crazy to me. They'll say the acronym, but they'll never really pay attention to what the acronym is actually saying. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. How many times do you hear that? And we all go, yeah, amen, God loves me. Is that what it says? God's riches. What are God's riches? Rich, rich, rich is. It's plural, last time I checked. It isn't just God loves you. Is that part of it? Sure. Without God's love, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is don't just stop right there. God gave you riches. At Christ's expense, he gave you the ability as that power that rose Jesus from the grave moved inside of you. He gave you the ability that by grace you could exercise the riches that were given to you by Christ's expense. And if you are not exercising the riches that were given to you by Christ's expense, you think there's not going to be an accounting for that? Understanding what true grace is, in my humble opinion, is very key to the Christian life. Because I don't think most people do understand it. I really don't. When the Spirit of God moved inside of you, He gave you by His grace the power to live that resurrected life that Paul's talking about in Colossians 3. How, do, how does then the, does the Spirit work? What is the sword of the Spirit? It's the Word of God in you. Hello, Hebrews 4, 12-13. Ephesians 3, we aren't there yet. By God's grace, <laughs> we'll get there one day. <laughs> he says this. And again, now he, here's another Paul, of Paul's prayer. Okay? He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory... Do be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... That ye be rooted and grounded in love. The same kind of love he's talking about over there in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Charity. Charity. May be able to comprehend that we may... Because there's a lot that do not comprehend with all saints what is the breadth Length, depth, height, 
and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, which that he may, you might be filled with all the fullness of God. What does verse 23 say here in chapter number one? Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Y- y'all see this? Unto him be glory in the church. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives inside of you and lives inside of me. If we are born-again Christians, it's the same power that we wrought and got by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are to do something with it. Bring glory to Him. This is really what Paul is trying to get at in these first three chapters. Ephesians 6.10, he closes and he says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Romans 15.13, he says, Now the God of hope fill with you, with you all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I really do believe church is failing today and it's not because of him it's not because of the lack of christ fulfilling his promises the church is failing today because we're not exercising the power that was given to us to be the church we are so concerned with self that we have redirected our attention to where it should be. And I wouldn't even say redirected. We were always concerned with self. We haven't redirected our attention to where it should be. And what concerns me is that there ain't much time left. And every day, people are passing off into eternity. And man, uh, either this book's the authority in all things or it's the authority of nothing. And we need to come to the place as a church body, not just as one Baptist church, but as a church body where people start to really... uh, Let's stop saying we believe this is the authority. Let's stop actually living like it's the authority. Because I do believe that we all fail in that in some way, shape, or form, this preacher included. All right. uh, Next week, we will uh, finish the booklet. Uh, We'll be in uh, four. We'll look at that inheritance piece. Five, we'll look at that body of Christ piece, and that should take us to the end of the booklet. Can you believe it? It only took us eight months. Not bad. Chapter one. All right, good. Uh, I highly anticipate that won't be the case, at least for the next two chapters for sure. Um, 
because we stopped a lot and did a lot of, uh, if you look at the end of the book, you know, and I hope that, it, that you know, uh, especially for all you that have been here uh, since we started and, and have heard all the messages, I hope as you look, you know, you know, I got their Ephesians chapter one questions in the back of the book there. I hope you can start reading through that and you can start answering those questions. You can go, hey, I know what the requirement of an apostle is. Hey, I know what a saint is. Hey, I know what is the faithful in Christ. Hey, I know what is the spiritual blessings of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I know what it means to be chosen before the foundation. I hope you can read through that and, 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 and are able to answer that in a, in a, a good biblical way. Amen? Yeah. All right. Father, we come before you, Lord. We are thankful for your word. We are thankful that we could gather together in your name. Uh, thankful that we have the ability for people to be able to listen at home uh, safely. Uh, I pray that uh, we would all uh, be uh, mindful uh, of your love, uh, be mindful of your protection during this time. Uh, Lord, we're living, in a, we're living in some scary times. There's a lot of scary things going on. Uh, but Lord, we need to understand and we need to remember that you still are in control no matter what. Uh, and uh, uh, we just... Should not, and, and, and truthfully, we can't live in fear. Uh, we need to be more focused on you uh, and allow you to do what you do. Uh, you certainly uh, are a loving Father. You will protect us. You will watch over us. And if it's our time, it's our time, Lord. Uh, Lord, I love this church. I'm so thankful for the people of this church. I'm so thankful for uh, what you have done in this church uh, I, I pray that uh, this new uh, variant that is uh, uh, tackled, uh, uh, especially here in Florida, does not uh, impede on the, mo on the direction that this church has been going and the, uh, the momentum we have been picking up. Uh, I pray that people would uh, continue to uh, either be here in person or at least listen online, Lord, uh, and that we would continue to, uh, to move forward. Uh, not for this church's glory, not for this pastor's glory, for your glory. Um, we just want your truth to be preached. We want people to um, grab on to what you have said uh, by the authority of your word. Uh, and Lord, uh, it's my humble heart that we would just follow you, Lord, because you are the true king and we are thankful for you. I love uh, these people. I love this church. And most importantly, Lord, we all love you. And we're thankful for you. Without you, we are nothing. Help us to live that resurrected life. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said, amen. amen. Love you all. Have a good day.